Let's open our Bibles tonight to the book of Lamentations. Lamentations chapter 4. We'll begin with verse 1. It says, How is the gold become dim? How is the most fine gold changed? When you talk about this gold, look at these two verses. Judah is linked, or is likened, I should say, to metal, uh, which once had a higher luster, and now this gold has become dim. It's lost its luster. It's dull. It's not even tarnished. And it says, how is the most fine gold changed? And the precious, the stones of the sanctuary are holy or sacred stones of the sanctuary. And the young men of Judah are likened to gold. So it seemed like that everything that was good for Judah and for the young men of Judah, it says the precious sons in verse 2 of Zion, comparable to fine gold, the stones of the sanctuary, they were holy, they were sacred in verse 1. They're poured out in the top of every street. This kind of a fall from what we should be to what they, what we could become. Taking Judah is a comparable, uh, lesson. What they had become. They were in captivity. They were in bondage. They were away from God. They were, if you'll remember, because of their sins of idolatry, they had been taken into 70 years of captivity into Babylon. Now, it's, it's a very sad state if you and I have all the blessings of God and have everything so pure and good and uh, holy and, and everything good for us in the church and then fall and turn out to be what uh, is least expected that we would be and have to suffer the consequences because of what? Sin. And because of our fall. Because we've fallen from what we should be. Our standards are let down. Our principles are let down. Our guard is let down. And the devil gets a hold of things and turns it around and, and makes a mockery of us. Remember, they mocked at the men of Judah in the last few chapters. You find even the words even spoken of where that they had, had become a mockery and a byword. Let's not let that happen to you and I. Look at verse 3. It says, even the sea monsters draw out the breast. They give suck to their young ones. The daughter of my people has become cruel, like the ostriches in the wilderness. Now notice, even the sea monsters draw out the breast. They give suck to their young ones. The sea calves, if you have a, a marginal reference. But the daughters of my people has become cruel, like the ostriches in the wilderness. Ostriches were thought to abandon their young. Soon after, they laid their eggs. Can you imagine a mother leaving their young and not caring about their offspring? And that's the way the ostriches were spoken of. And the daughters of my people is become cruel like the ostriches in the wilderness. Look at verse 4. It says, The tongue of the sucking child cleaveth to the roof of his mouth for thirst. The young uh, children ask bread, and no man breaketh it unto them. The mothers had no milk for their children because of the famine. And the young children asked bread, and no one would give to them. They had no food. Verse 5 says, They did feed delicately. They that did feed delicately are desolate in the streets. They that were brought up in scarlet embraced the dunghills. Embraced dunghills. Searching the city dumps for food. We talk about how far people have fallen. They they were well uh, provided for. They had all that they could 
want at certain periods of time, and they were dressed in scarlet. They were brought up with luxury, and now they embrace dunghills, searching for this food and clothing, possibly, in the city dump. That would be a sad situation, wouldn't it? And you know we find, and listen carefully to this, I hope God lets all of us prosper. But sometimes men in prosperity, they rise so high that when they fall from that prosperity, they don't know how to handle it. And it's a sad thing for a person that has always had everything, like we've heard of someone being born with a silver spoon in their mouth, so to speak, and have everything they could wish, and then uh, maybe in a generation or two, the children, grandchildren or someone come along and just throw it to the winds, and then end up, and there are people that are street people that once were well-off doctors and lawyers and, and, and well-off folks and have professions. But the warning is this. Take heed how you live before God and take heed what you do with what you have and be, be thankful that God has given you whatever you have and learn to take care of it. You know, if you'll learn to take care of what you have, You'll be all right. Do you know most people's problem is management? It's not how much you make. It's what you do with it. And the secret to success and, and to uh, prosperity is always spend less than you earn. You'll always spend less than you earn. You'll have a little bit of money. may not be much. You may not earn much. But if you spend less than that, you'll be well off. And so God has said, go to the ant, thou sluggard. He says he prepares his meat in the summer. And then he's provided for. The Bible tells us that the, the sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. A lazy person's not going to get anywhere. He says the sluggard will not plow by the reason of the cold. Therefore shall he beg in the harvest and what? Have nothing. You, you know, if you're going to have a harvest, you've got to plow the field and sow the seed. Or there will be no harvest. And by the way, someone says, well, I'll just let it grow wild. It'll grow weeds. That's all that'll it, come up. If you don't take care of it, that's all they'll grow. And by the way, they will grow, whether you do anything or not. They will grow. Okay? Let's go on with this. Look at verse uh, uh, 6. It says, For the punishment of the iniquity of the daughter of my people is greater than the punishment of the sin of Sodom that was overthrown in a moment, and no hand stayed on her. It was overthrown quickly. Remember how Sodom was destroyed? Now then, he says the punishment of the iniquity of the daughter of my people is greater. It's greater than that overthrow. You know why it would be greater? In one respect, because no prophets had been sent to Sodom, but they had had warnings time and time again. And when God's people are warned, then they ought to take heed. And the thing about it is, these people... They were living in iniquity and sin, and God said, I'm going to bring judgment, but there were no prophets sent to Sodom. So they had a privilege and a blessing. That's why their judgment is greater. Look at verse uh, 7. For Nazarites were pure than snow. Nazarites are separated ones. They were pure and now blacker than coal. Look at this in verse 8. Their visage is blacker than coal, than a coal. For Nazarites were pure than snow, verse 7. They were whiter than milk. They were more ruddy in body than rubies. Their polishing was of a sapphire. Their visage is blacker. This is what happened to them than a coal. These Nazarites had taken a vow. And the fair complexion is blackened. It reflects their emotional state and, 
and disposition. What had happened to them physically was something that really was happening to them spiritually. Their visage is blacker than a coal. They are not known in the streets. Their skin cleaveth to their bones. It is withered. It has become like a stick. It wants to be purer than snow and now blacker than coal. You know, the psalmist said in Psalm 51, I believe it is, David, after he sinned, he says, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Isaiah 1.18, God says, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. So if we want the, if we want, if we have God's cleansing, but remember what sin does. Sin is a robber and it brings its wages. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It robs of glory and gives nothing but suffering and shame and death. And that's what it had done for Judah. And that's what it will do for uh, anyone today. All right, let's go on with verse uh, 9. They that be slain with the sword are better than they that be slain with hunger. For these pine away, stricken through, through for want of the fruits of the field. The hands of the pitiful women have sodden their own children. They had even turned to cannibalism. They were their meat in the destruction of the daughter of my people. What a sad, awful condition for God's chosen people to end up in. Isn't that terrible? That people would be lifted so high and be brought so low because of sin. Sin is a robber. And it will destroy. The glory will pass away. The glory had departed and Zion had to drink of the shame of want on account of her sin. Look at verse 10. The hands of the pitiful. We read verse 10, let, uh, verse 11. The Lord hath accomplished his fury. He hath poured out his fierce anger and hath kindled a fire in Zion. And it hath devoured the foundations thereof. God's wrath was fear, fierce and, and thorough. It's like a fire. And it devoured the foundations thereof. The kings of the earth, verse 12. And all the inhabitants of the world would not have believed that the adversary of the enemy should have entered into the gates of Jerusalem. Jerusalem was well fortified. And it says, the kings of the earth and the inhabitants of the world would not have believed. Judah's neighbors were shocked at the fact that the adversary and the enemy should have entered into the gates of Jerusalem. Verse 13, look at this. For the sins of her prophets and the iniquities of her priests that have shed the blood of the just in the midst of her. The prophets here are the false prophets. They did not warn the people. It says, for the sins of her prophets or her false prophets and the iniquities of her priests, prophet and priest both were corrupt, that have shed blood of the just in the midst of her, like prophet and priest, like people. That's why we need good leaders. They want... They have wandered as blind men in the streets. They have polluted themselves with blood so that the men could not touch their garments. They cried... Unto them, depart ye, it is unclean, depart, depart, touch not. When they fled away and wandered, they said among the heathen, they shall no more sojourn there. So would they wander around the world. In verse 16, the anger of the Lord hath divided them. Something that God has to divide. He will no more regard them. If God disregards, we're in terrible trouble. They respected not the persons of the priests, they favored not the elders. Judah had no hope of restoration because of their sins. When a person comes to the place that they have no hope of restoration, you're in a sad, sad state of affairs. Might just stop here at verse 16 and say to not only the older ones, but especially young people, if you can get your life started out right, 
and live it right as you go along and stay close to God. Read God's word and attend the house of God and be taught the things of God. This is, you know, 90% of the prevention of the troubles that you'll have later on. It's the biggest part of it. If you can get grounded in the word and get your faith in the Lord early in life and be determined to, to live for God, you'll have your troubles, your, your trials and temptations and everything that'll come. But you'll be able to overcome them if you'll stick close to God. And I would encourage not only young, but young and old alike. All right, let's look at verse um, 17. As for, as for us, our ours are yet failed for our vain help. In our watching we have watched, for a nation could not save us. They had watched for help from Egypt. Remember in studying in the book of Jeremiah how that many times Judah had turned to Egypt for help. They didn't find help. Probably Egypt was the one that was in view here. And the Bible had warned them, Isaiah warned them, go not down into Egypt for help. Because he says, uh, you won't find any help there. Egypt is a picture of the world. And a lot of people say, well, when it fails me, you know, uh, I'll go to the world. They'll help me. Your best help is, our help is from the Lord. The Bible says in the psalmist, I will lift up mine eyes into the hills from whence cometh mine help. Mine help is in the Lord. It made the heavens and the earth. I believe that's Psalm 121. You might check it out. Now then, look at this. In verse uh, 19, our persecute, well, we didn't read verse 18. They hunt our steps that we cannot go in our streets. Our end is near. Our days are fulfilled. Our end is come. See, they looked, they didn't believe they had any help. Our persecutors are swifter than the eagles of heaven. See, God's people continued to look for human invention or intervention, and they didn't find it. And our persecutors are swifter than eagles of heaven. The eagles of heaven are symbolical here of the horses and chariots. They come swifter than the eagles of heaven. They pursued us upon the mountains. They laid wait for us in the wilderness. Verse 20, the breath of our nostrils, the anointed of the Lord, was taken in their pits, of whom we said, under his shadow we shall live among the heathen. We said earlier when we were teaching and giving you an overview that there's a redeeming feature in every chapter and the redeeming feature is in in verse 22 but let's read this together in verse 21 and 22 and we'll find that in verse 22 where he foretells of the return of the captivity of zion uh, at last that it this will happen verse 21 rejoice and be glad o daughter of edom thou that dwellest in the land of us, the cup also shall pass through thee, and thou shalt be drunken, and shall make thyself naked. The punishment of the iniquity is accomplished. O daughter of Zion, he will no more carry thee into captivity. He will, look at that again. He will no more carry thee into captivity. He will visit thine iniquity, O daughter of Edom. He will discover thy sins. So, if God has promised that he will deliver them, and that's what he had promised here. Let's look at chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse 1. Remember, O Lord, what has come upon us. Consider and behold our reproach. Remember. In the Old Testament, when God remembers, he acts decisively to fulfill a promise, usually based upon his covenant that he has made. Back in the book of Genesis 8, verse 1. Let me read this for you. Genesis 8, verse 1. After the flood, it says, And God remembered Noah and every living thing, and so on. What? He remembered Noah. He remembered his covenant. Because in chapter 6, verse 18, 
Before the flood came, God said to Noah, after he told him how to build the ark, he says in verse 18, But with thee will I establish my covenant. And after the flood came and, and everything was cleared out, it says, And God remembered Noah and every living thing. So he usually remembers that which is based upon his covenant. The book of Exodus chapter 2 verse 24. Also, Exodus chapter 2 verse 24. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. What's it say? When he heard the cry of the children of Israel, he, he remembered his covenant. He said, I haven't forgotten what I've said to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And he looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. God will not forget. You and I forget sometimes. We make promises we don't keep. God makes promises, and he keeps every one of them. And there will never be a word that God has given us uh, of promise that he will fail in. You and I may fail along the way, but he will not fail to keep his word. In spite of the fact that we do not deserve it. In Psalm 103 it says, He hath not dealt with us after our sins or rewarded us according to our iniquities. And so God deals with us in mercy and in grace. We find in verse 2, you have 5 verse 2, hold your place where we're studying. 5 verse 2 says, our inheritance is turned to strangers, our houses to aliens. You find that back in the book of Ezra, 4 verse 1, and also Nehemiah 6 verse 1. Ezra 4 verse 1 says this, Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the children of captivity builded the temple unto the Lord God of Israel, so they finally were restored to their inheritance. Nehemiah 6 verse 1 it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem, the Arabian, and the rest of our enemies heard that I builded the wall. See, Nehemiah was building the wall, and that there was no breach left therein. Though at that time I had not set up the doors upon the gates, that Sanballat and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come and let us meet together in some one of the villages of the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. Our inheritance, in our text, our inheritance is turned to strangers, our houses to aliens, you know, but God was with them. Look at verse 3. We are orphans and fatherless. Our mothers are as widows, orphans and fatherless. Judah was fatherless, and because of that, appeals to the Lord because God cares for the orphans and the widows. God cares for orphans. Deuteronomy 10, verse 18. Let me read it. 10, verse 18. He doth execute the judgment of the fatherless and widow, and loveth the stranger in giving him food and raiment. Love ye therefore the stranger, for ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. God tells Israel and Judah, he says, you love the stranger because remember where you once were? Be kind of a good thing for all of us to do is to think of where we once were, wouldn't it? And then that'd make us more merciful and gracious for where we are now. And that's what he's saying here. We are orphans and fathers. Hold your place in our text. Lamentations 5 verse 3. Look at verse 4. We have drunken our water for money. Our wood is sold unto us. The water here speaks, uh, for money, speaks of the heavy taxes had taken up everything they had. In verse 5, our necks are under the persecution. Necks means the yoke on our necks are under persecution. We labor and have no rest. It's as if they were in complete uh, bondage like the children of Israel were when they were in Egyptian bondage. Verse 6, we have given the hand to the Egyptians and to the Assyrians to be satisfied with bread. The fact that Judah had to beg for bread shows their position 
of inferiority to these nations where wherein before they were superior. Israel was God's chosen people and they were prospering and they were blessed. And yet they said, what? We have given the hand to the Egyptians and the and to the Assyrians to be satisfied with bread. Verse 7 says, Our fathers have sinned and are not, and we have borne their iniquity. The Jews argued that since their fathers were responsible, and since they were suffering for the sins of their fathers, that God should have pity upon them. And their fathers had sinned. But the problem is they had followed in the same steps. It really was their sins, not just their fathers. You see, we blame it on a past generation, or we blame it on someone else. That's as old as Adam and Eve, isn't it? Old Adam said to God when he found him there in the garden, you know, Adam was walking amongst the trees of the garden and he was clothed with big leaves and he hid himself among the trees of the garden and he heard the voice of the Lord calling in the cool of the day, not in the anger, heat of anger as if in the high noon, not early in the morning as if anxious to bring judgment upon Adam, but in the cool of the day, calm and collected as God always is. said, Adam, where art thou? said, I heard that voice, and I was afraid. He says, have you eaten of the tree that I told you not to eat of? He says, what made you afraid? Adam said, well, the woman that thou gavest me passed the buck, didn't God turned and looked at the woman. The woman said, the devil. You see, we have a... And so these people were saying, you know, Judah was saying, our fathers, you know, caused this trouble. And we, we're having to suffer for it. Every man suffers for his own sins. We suffer for our own sins. In verse 8, it says, servants have ruled over us. There is none that doth deliver us out of their hand. Look at verse uh, 9. We get our bread with the peril of our lives because of the sword of the wilderness. It was so hard for them to get anything to eat. Verse 10 says, Our skin was black. It means hot. Black as an oven or hot as an oven because of the terrible famine. Hot with fever, actually. Black here means hot with fever. Verse 11, they ravished the women during the invasion, of course, of Judah in Zion. They ravished the women in Zion and the maids in the cities of, of Judah. Verse uh, 12 says, Princes are hanged up by their hand. This was a form of torture. The faces of the elders were not honored. They took the young men to grind, and the children fell under the wood. Grinding grain, the most men, menial household job for the house. It was usually given to the female. But they took the young men, now given to the young men. In verse 14, the elders have ceased from the gate, the young men from their music. The joy of our heart has ceased, our dance is turned into mourning. These things that they were enjoying were no longer carried out. The joy had ceased, the blessings had ceased. In verse 16, the crown has fallen, look, from our head, woe unto us that we have sinned. The kingdom was overthrown and the priesthood was destroyed. The crown of the kingdom was fallen from their head. Verse 17, for this our heart is faint. Are sick. For these things our eyes are dim. Verse 18 says, Because of the mountain of Zion, which is desolate, the foxes walk upon it. The place where they should have had everyone uh, enjoying the blessings of God, the mountain of Zion, wild animals were roaming over. The foxes were walking on it. Verse 19, Thou, O Lord, remainest forever. Thy throne from generation to generation. God is still in control, and he promises restoration. Look at that. Thou, Lord, remainest forever. Thy throne from generation to generation. Let, let's stop there just a moment. We'll conclude here in just a second. Listen, sometimes in this day and hour, we think that uh, things have gone 
is about as bad as they can be. And we see all over internationally, the world, all over the world, things happening on the other side of the world that affect us here and things happening here that affect the other side of the world. And really, it seems like a lot of things are completely out of control. But I'll tell you, God is still in control, regardless. And he was for them. And they recognize this, Thou, O Lord, remainest forever thy throne from generation to generation, from one nation to another and from one uh, age to another. And it says here in this uh, 21st verse, here is the redeeming feature. It says, Turn thou us unto thee, O Lord, and we shall be turned. Renew our days as of old. But thou hast utterly rejected us. Thou art very wroth. Some have said that this 21st verse is repeated again after the 22nd. But we know it is here, the 21st verse. It leaves them, turn thou, turn thou us unto thee. Now when God, when they are praying, God, you turn us to thee, if he turns us, we'll really be turned. If we try to turn ourselves sometimes, we'll say, well, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. New Year's coming up, and everyone says, well, I'm going to change my ways, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do something else. Well, it's good that you have, I hope you have some willpower to do it, and I hope you can carry out some good things. But God has to help us to do the turning. It says, turn thou us unto thee, O Lord, and we shall be turned. When God does the turning, we'll be turned. Renew our days as of old. So they could be full of hope. God will always hear the prayer of his people when we say, turn thou us. He did restore the nation at the end of the 70 years. He did turn them back, and he will do that for you and I. And let me give you one verse of scripture in closing. And uh, you'll find it in the 119th Psalm and verse 59. It says, I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimony. I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto what? Unto thy testimonies, thy word. There are several passages, several statements that are used to describe the word of God. Testimonies, commandments, uh, statutes, judgments. The word itself is used. But all these refer to the word of God. And when it says, I thought on my ways, when people begin to think, by the way, the day that Brother... Brinkman was converted and accepted the Lord and came into this church. I preached on that one text. I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. And he said, Brother Joyce, I thought, and he says, I figured it was time to turn. And you know, if you and I will think on our ways, there's always a turning point in our lives. And the turning point should be to God's word. And he gives us the instructions to turn to Jesus. And, and Jesus gives us the instructions to turn and do the right thing. So we have complete a complete text to follow. So I hope you've received something. We'll take our next lesson, you know, will be in the book of Revelation. Let's stand. We'll be dismissed in prayer. Our next lesson, you know, will be in the book of Revelation. Let's stand. We'll be dismissed in prayer. Our next lesson, you know, will be in the book of Revelation. Let's stand. We'll be dismissed in prayer. Our next lesson, you know, will be in the book of Revelation. Let's stand. We'll be dismissed in prayer. Our next lesson, you know, will be in the book of Revelation. Let's stand. We'll be dismissed in prayer. Our next lesson, you know, will be in the book of Revelation. Let's stand. We'll be dismissed in prayer. Our next lesson, you know, will be in the book of Revelation. Let's stand. We'll be dismissed in prayer.